Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Well, I'm hoping that it won't be very long. Well, hope it's just about very soon that you will be receiving your new issue of Above Rubies. I'm so sorry you've had to wait so long for this issue. Uh, This last year, it seemed that it took longer than usual uh, for the finances to come in because we rely completely on just the love offerings of God's people, of those who have a heart uh, for family, who want to see marriage and motherhood and family encouraged and strengthened in the families of this nation and around the world. Uh, We just rely on them to give so we can get this magazine printed and it does cost well over $60,000 to print and to send it out across the world. And uh, anyway, God is faithful, and at last we're just about to get another magazine out into the nation, and, and I pray that you will be blessed. If you are listening and you are not on the mailing list for Above Rubies, um, just send your name and address to me at nancy at aboverubies.org, O-R-G, and we'll be happy to send it to you. It doesn't matter what country of the world you live in. Uh, we send Above Rubies out to you. It goes to well over 100 countries of the world. And so you can get it no matter where you live. And by the way, ladies, don't keep Above Rubies just hidden away to yourself. I know that it's a great blessing to you uh, when it comes to you in the mail and you're encouraged and inspired and blessed. In fact, just so many thousands of women over the years, their lives have been completely changed and revolutionized through this little magazine. But keep sharing it, giving it out to others, sharing it with your friends. Put above rubies in the waiting room of doctors and dentists and hairdressers. I love to put an above rubies magazine uh, in the little baby changing tables and restaurants and supermarkets and wherever we go. And when you meet people, always have one in your handbag so you can give it to them. Do you remember listening to Evangeline a couple of weeks ago about being uh, unapologetically unashamed and uh, un... what was the other one? Unoffendable uh, for your faith and the kingdom of God and for motherhood. Let's never be ashamed of of our great salvation and also of who we are as mothers, for this is God's plan for us. And let's tell the world. Amen. Well, I want to continue a little more today uh, from last week. I was sharing with you about the word come. This beautiful word, come. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. 
And so we're to be looking for his coming. We're to be hastening his coming and trying to hurry it along. And uh, But I was saying of uh, last week how we also need to uh, pray that God will come even now, that we're not just waiting for his coming, but he'll come now into our lives. And we were talking about his coming to our table. I believe we should ask him to come into every room in our house. We need him in every room, don't we? We need him in the kitchen where we're rushing around trying to cook the meals and our, you know, little toddlers are wanting us and everybody's wanting us at once. Don't you find that as a mother, that everybody needs you at once? My mothers are so wanted, aren't they? You can't say that you're rejected as a mother because everyone needs you and wants you at once. Um, So you can rejoice in that. But we need God. Oh, how we need him. How we need his presence. But of course, he loves to come. and He loves to dwell in your heart. And he loves to dwell in your home. He loves to fill your home with his presence. So keep praying. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, fill this room. You can go through every room in your house. What a lovely thing for you and your husband to do. Go, take a moment, take some time when you go into every room in your house and you ask God to come into that room where each child sleeps, each bedroom, and pray over their room. My good thing to do over your children who are getting into their teenage years and And, uh, you know, go and pray in their room. And also, we need to watch what they have in their room. I am not one of those mothers who believe, oh, because it's their room, they can just have what they like in their room and they can pin up any pictures they like in their room. Oh, no, it's your house. It's not their house, your house. And you are responsible for everything that's in your home. And in your teenagers' rooms too. Not that I like to use the word teenagers because it's not in the Bible. And I don't believe, well, it wasn't even in the 1828 uh, Webster's Dictionary. Uh, It is now today, of course, because we've come into these teenage years, which really are not meant to be. God intended our children to move into maturity and to move into adulthood. Uh, from that time of 12 and 13 years of age. We know even today in Israel, when a young boy becomes 12 years old, he has his bar mitzvah, and uh, he is then moving into maturity. And uh, we, we don't want our children to be just those who kind of hang out in teenage years. And, but we have to watch over their rooms and watch over what is there and what books they're reading and what they're watching on social media and, and, and go in and pray, come, Lord Jesus, into this room. Oh, pray it and cry it out. You can pray it over your own bedroom. Come, Lord Jesus, into our bedroom.
because the scripture says that the bed is honourable and undefiled. The bed, the marriage bed, is a holy place. It's a place of holiness where there is no nothing that is defiling. Don't allow anything that's defiling to come into your bedroom or your bed. God has provided a very holy sexual act for a husband and wife in their bedroom and it is to be holy and it is to be glorious. You do not need to be trying any other things. Today, there are so many other things that people want to try and they're not godly. Keep your marriage bed holy and ask God to come in. Ask him to come. Yes, this is what we're meant to be doing, precious ladies, asking God to come. Let's go over to Proverbs. Proverbs 5 is a beautiful passage about marriage and it's actually in the context of talking about the husband here, talking to him, and it says, Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. This is talking about the marriage and really what it's saying here is that marriage is a private possession. It's not something to be shared with all. It's private. It belongs to the husband and wife only. We have to watch that. I am just so upset, and I've seen it more than once, when I've seen people write on Facebook, well, um, is it just okay for me to go out and have a cup of coffee, um, you know, with a, with another guy friend I've known him for years I knew him at school and and um and then you see people answering oh yes there's nothing wrong with that what's wrong with your husband if he's going to get jealous of that that is the pit no marriage is a private possession it's for the husband and wife only. And I do not believe that we can ever, ever again, when we're married, have a personal one-on-one uh, -on -one friendship with another person of the same sex. No. Of course you can have wonderful friends. My husband and I have such wonderful friends that we enjoy together as couples and as families. But I would never, ever dream of going out and even having a cup of coffee with another man on my own goodness me help I, that would be sacrilege to my marriage you see marriage is private possession let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth your bedroom, your bed is meant to be a place of rejoicing, a beautiful place ordained and condoned and anointed by 
God, God, who is the one who so intricately and amazingly created us and created the man and the wife to become one flesh. That's how he created us. It's amazing. And out of this one flesh union comes forth the godly seed. That's how God intended it. But God made that one flesh uh, union such a glorious and beautiful thing. Um, I think he did that because if it was just some very mundane uh, thing, that it wouldn't be something that a couple would be that interested in doing. And yet God so looks for the godly seed that he made it something so glorious. What does it say in Malachi chapter 2, talking about marriage? And it says, And what does God want from your marriage? And then we listen for the answer and we read the next phrase. And it says, I want a godly seed. Some translations say, I look for godly offspring. God looks for the godly offspring to come forth from that godly union of the one flesh marriage. And uh, so it goes on to say, um, let her be as the loving hind and pleasant robe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times. Now, this is talking to the husband. And, but it says that his wife is to satisfy him. That word in the Hebrew means to slake the thirst, to make drunk to satiate abundantly, to soak. Wow, that's pretty amazing. It's amazing when you go into the Hebrew to understand what a word means. And, and that is just sounds so incredible, but that's God's glorious design. It is a very beautiful thing. And God wants to come in because this is God's design and God's plan. And then, what does it say next? Oh, yes. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Well, not just on the odd occasion, but at all times. And it goes on to say... And be thou ravished, ravished, ravished. That's a pretty powerful word. What does it say in the Hebrew? The Hebrew word means enraptured, intoxicated, lost in her love forever, the Holman translation, translation says transported with delight, captivated. And so God has made this beautiful thing something that is to not be just some boring thing. No, God created the man and God created the woman in such a way 
that they would intoxicate one another. Yeah, did you get it? Intoxicate, enrapture, captivate, and they don't need to do any other kinky things. The way God has created is all that is needed. You see, and if you are, if perhaps in your marriage relationship, things are not what they ought to be. You're not enjoying this part of your life, of your marriage, which is marriage. Because when God put the man and woman together, he said that they would, uh, he would leave his father and mother and they would be joined together and they would be one flesh. That is marriage. That is exactly the description. So if you are not experiencing what this scripture is talking about, cry out to God. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You created us for this glorious divine union. This is your plan. Come, come into our bedroom. I remember at an Above Ruby's retreat years ago, um, in question time, a woman brought up some issue and uh, on, on this subject and a dear older woman got up and she said, there were times in my life that, you know, we, we didn't fully experience this, but as we, as we just came closer and closer to God, he, he just brought us into such a wonderful experience together. And she said, I have always, as I began to cry out to God, I began to just see a picture of the Lord standing at the end of our bed with his arms outstretched in love and blessing. And as I began to just see this, I, I, I could come in to knowing that, yes, this was God's blessing. I could receive it. I, I could open my heart and, and, and open just every part of me to my husband because it was God's blessing, God's plan. And this is what it is. Sometimes some couples have been through horrific things and their past days and it, it, it brings in a spoiling of, of, of what is meant to happen in the marriage bed. But God is bigger. He is able to cleanse you and heal you and forgive you. And he wants you to know that this is his blessing over your marriage bed. And so it goes on to say, we haven't even finished yet. And be thou ravished always with her love. Once again, that we have this at all times and always. And this word is tamid in the Hebrew. And the word means continually. 
Um, it, it's not a haphazard, a word that means haphazard every now and then. It is a continual, that's continually. In other, tr- in other scriptures, it's translated continually. Um, it's the same word that's used for the continual bread upon the table of the showbread, which was always to be there. It was never to be off the table. And it's the same word that is used for the daily sacrifice, which was a morning and evening sacrifice. Well, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, okay, morning and evening. No, but I'm I'm giving you the picture of what the word is, that it is a pretty continual word uh, because this is God's plan. And, and so, dear precious ones, just don't ever just settle for less than what God has for you. Ask him to come, to come. You see, God wants to come into every part of your life. Oh, another prayer that I pray and I'm constantly praying and I'm praying it in this hour is, God, please come in revival. Come and bring revival. I need revival in my life. I need revival in my home continually. I need, we need revival in the church. Oh, goodness me, the, the church at this present time in our nation It needs revival. We are, and of course, there are pockets of God moving by his spirit. And and, uh, yes, we see that. But I'm talking just overall. We are a pathetic church. There is so much worldly. Look, most Christians who love the Lord today, they they love the Lord. Oh, I, I have so many wonderful friends who love the Lord. I know so many young people who love the Lord, but really, when it gets down to tin tacks, they're more involved with the world than they are with the Lord. They, they, they go to more movies or they watch more movies or they just go to more sports and then they spend time with God. Oh, they'd rather just go out and be entertained than come to pray. I mean, prayer meetings, just look at the church today. There's hardly any prayer meetings. And if you have a prayer meeting, it's so poorly attended. I mean, you only get the little wee few, the faithful few who come to the prayer meeting. What is it? We're not living in revival days. Actually, I have lived in revival days. Back in the early days of our marriage and raising our children, we were living in revival days in the church that we were part of. And uh, it, it was just incredible. Oh, God was doing mighty things. Oh, I mean, we, when we came to church, we didn't just kind of, you know, get along to church. No, we just couldn't wait to get to church. And and when you got there, one part, we had our church upstairs that was a, a um, old picture theater we had renovated and you ran up the stairs you ran you could not wait to get in there because you did not want to miss one minute of God moving by his spirit and every service people were coming to the Lord every Sunday we had baptisms oh goodness me it it, it was just amazing and then of course sometimes we'd have baptisms out in the river and and uh, the power of God would just come on people as they were baptized and they would just um just oh 
they just couldn't even understand. And if we didn't hold them, they'd just be floating down the river. And um, it was just amazing. And then those times pass and it becomes more normal. And we can get used to normality. Oh, may God save us from getting used to normality and just getting used to apathy and just getting used to a normal church where we just go along to church. But, oh, how we long for God to come. Come, come, Lord, move by the power of your Holy Spirit. Once again, it's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. I long for the moving of the Holy Spirit. Oh, do you long for that? Are you so passionate for it? I know it will only come by prayer. And so as we pray for revival uh, in our lives, in our church today, and of course in our government, in the swamp. Oh, are you praying for that? Are you praying for mighty things to happen there? And, and, and just across the land, do you want righteousness to come to this land? Oh, that's what I long for. I just can't bear the evil. Can you bear it? I mean, to think that we now live in a nation where homosexuality is law. Uh, we can't get used to that, ladies. We can't get used to it. We, we've got to watch that we don't get used to things that are an abomination to God. Where we're seeing abortion still on such a, a massive scale. When we have leaders of our states who are prepared to, to kill babies after they are born. I mean... We couldn't even fathom this even a few years ago, and now we're living in it. Does that make you want to cry out for revival? Come, Lord Jesus. If he is coming for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, are we ready? Are we holding back his second coming? Or are we hastening it and hurrying it along as we pray and cry out for revival and God exposing sin in our midst and bringing a revival of purifying and bringing righteousness back into the church and all oh, where worldliness will be gone and sin, where there's so much sin and worldliness and apathy in the church today, we hardly look much different to the world. Oh, that we would pray. And of course, if we're going to cry out to God, we're going to love prayer. Do you love prayer, ladies? This is 2020. This is the year of 2020. This is a, strateg a strategic year. I know for wherever you live in the world, many of you are living in different countries, and I know you're crying out for your country. But here in the USA... This is election year for America, and it's just—it's a very strategic year. And uh, we have—we uh, have senators, we have people who are pouring. Uh, we have very wealthy people who are pouring billions and billions of dollars into candidates 
Democratic candidates who stand against everything of God, who promote homosexuality, who promote abortion, even after the baby is born, they're willing to kill the baby. They're willing, they want to make this a socialist state, and they're pouring billions in to make this happen. It is a spiritual battle. We have to pray. We have a president that God has given us. Now, he may not be perfect, as not one of us are perfect. And yet, amazingly, sovereignly, God is raising him up to stand for everything that is righteous. He stands against homosexuality. He stands against abortion. He stands with that which God stands for. He stands for Israel. He stands for God's people and the evangelical church. He stands for Christians. He's seeking to stand for that which is right. He's seeking to protect our nation. And I believe we need to pray for him. We have a responsibility to pray for those who are in leadership, whether we like them or not. We must pray. Do you pray as a family each day for our president For those who are in leadership, do you even know some of the folk who are in leadership? You know, I had recently um, some young couples around our table. And uh, I don't know how we got onto the subject, but um, I asked at the table, who is the vice president of the United States? I I nearly fainted and fell off my chair because not one of them knew who the vice president was. All these American couples. Help! If you don't know who the vice president is, well, how can you pray for him? Okay, who is the secretary of state? A very important person. Do you know? The secretary of state is Mike Pompeo, and he is working so closely with President Trump with all the strategic things that are happening in our world, with Iran and with North Korea and so on. And he needs our prayers. And he is a godly Christian man. And we need to pray for him. President Trump, Mike Pompeo, Vice President Pence, and so many of the others, they need our prayers. We need to know who they are. Do you know who the Attorney General is? William Barr. And who is the man who he has appointed to investigate the investigators, to investigate the CIA and uh, and uh, so on, and the <clears throat> all these people who have been, uh, you know, been on about this Russian hoax, which we all know is a hoax, but it has to be uh, exposed. And and, uh, so William Barr appointed a man named John Durham, who is a prosecutor, and he is also a Christian man, and uh, he is investigating. We need to pray that God will show him the truth. Because truth needs to be revealed. There's so much that is hidden. There's so much that is fake. There's so much that is corruption. And all the corruption and hidden things need to be revealed. Truth needs to be exposed. We need to be praying. Are you praying? Are you teaching your children how to pray? 
we're not only told in Timothy that we're to pray for our leaders, um, but that's another principle principle God gave way back in Jeremiah 29 when his people uh, were sent to Babylon. And uh, there they were. Uh, They were now just um, in a foreign country. They were captives there. And uh, God came to them through the prophet Jeremiah and he told them, told them to do seven things. And it was amazing. He told them, okay, live life just how I've told you, always live it. Build houses, plant gardens, have children, have grandchildren, and don't diminish. Even though you're now in a captive land and in a foreign place, don't stop what I've told you to do. Don't diminish. I want you to increase in that land. And I want you to pray for the city in which you live and don't be deceived. And so... God is concerned about praying for where we live, for the area in which we live and the country in which we live. We are to pray for the nation in which we live. And so just gather your children, pray every day, pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, pray for revival. Will you please pray, come, Lord Jesus, come to our nation, come in revival power, come and bring the anointing of your spirit to expose all sin. And Oh, God, please make us a holy people without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Get your children praying for revival. I think the most important thing is be praying in our homes, morning and evening as we gather together as families. But also, you know, it's a good thing to have a prayer meeting in your home. Have you ever had a prayer meeting in your home? We've had a prayer meeting all our lives in our home. And we have a prayer meeting here once a week. <clears throat> every week of the year. Actually, we didn't, haven't had it the last two weeks because uh, people have all been away, but we'll be back to it next week. And uh, every single week we get together to pray. Now, even if you only just get a wee, wee few people, just get a prayer meeting where you're praying for the nation, praying for These coming elections, they're the most strategic elections, I believe, that will will ever be held in this nation. These elections determine whether our nation will become a socialist nation or whether it will stand for righteous principles and for the Constitution. It's not going to happen without our prayers. When President Trump first became president, God put it upon my heart that when I pray for him to lift up my hands and just as an act of holding him up before the Lord, I remember how when the Israelites were fighting against the Amalekites and when Moses stood on the mountain and held up his rod, the 
Israelites, they would win over the Amalekites. But when his arms got tired and he let them down, the Amalekites, they would begin to take over. So Aaron and Hur, his two brothers, held up his hands. And as they held them up, they won the victory over the Amalekites. Trump today is fighting the Amalekites. It's a powerful battle, and they hate him because of this. They're seeking to assassinate him, to poison him. He's already had two poisoners, poisons against him. In fact, one of his um, taste testers has already died. We need to pray for We don't hear all these things, but <clears throat> this is what has happened. We need to pray for his safety from assassins and his safety from poison. We need to cry out that God will keep him in wisdom and righteousness and sovereignly just help him to uh, be what God wants him to be, to bring righteousness to this nation. Hold your hands up as you pray and, and you're holding him up before the Lord. Oh, and whether you're a little family or a big family, pray. Can I just give you, as we close this session, a scripture? Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 26. And here it's talking about the enemies that come into our land. And we've got many enemies that have come into this land of USA. <clears throat> I think our founding fathers would turn over in their graves if they could see what was happening today. But in verse 7 it says, And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you, just five. Three children and mum and dad is five. Just a little family can put 100 enemies to flight as they pray because prayer is our biggest weapon in the battle. There's no greater weapon. Why is it, darling ladies, that we're so reticent to pray when it's our biggest weapon? It's because the devil is keeping us from prayer. He'll do everything in his power to keep us from praying. Oh, you just kind of help us to feel tired or lethargic or we can't be bothered or we'd rather relax or we'd rather watch a movie. Oh, we'd rather do anything else but pray. Yes, prayer takes, wow, gumption. You've just got to do it. And uh, But you see, if you're in war, if you're in a battle, you can't just sit down on the sofa and put your knees up. In a battle, you've got to go to war. That's what prayer is all about. But five can put 100 enemies to flight. What about 20 families of just five? They can put 10,000 to flight. What about families who've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 children around their tables? You've got a prayer meeting. Wow, you can go to war. You can go to battle. You can be used to save this nation because it's prayer that will save this nation. Oh, dear ladies, will we make 2020 a year of prayer? to cry out to God, to ask him to come. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 25 says, Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and 
upon the families. Wow, what families? The families that do not call on thy name. What a powerful scripture that word is saying. If families, Christian families, godly families, don't bother to call upon the name of the Lord, they might as well be heathen families. Because that's the difference between the heathen family and the godly family. The godly families are those who call upon the name of the Lord. They're calling upon the name of the Lord for themselves, for their children, for their families, for their homes, and for the homes and families of the nation. They're crying out to God to save their nation. We as families, just hidden around our tables praying together, we can save our nations. Oh, precious, lovely ladies, let's do it. 2020, the year of prayer, the year of crying out to God, the year of saying, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that the words that I've shared today will not just be words. Oh, God, that you will help us to truly get up, get into the battle, to take action. For, Lord, we are in a spiritual battle. This is not yet our time of rest. Our time of rest is coming in the eternal realm. It is our time of rest. And Lord, although we can live in rest in our spirits, we are in a battle and we've got to go to war in the realm of prayer. Help us to be faithful prayers, praying with our families, praying with others, just, Lord, making things happen, making gatherings happen, even if it's once a week or once a month, where we make a gathering happen to just pray with others for the nation. Oh, God, help us, Lord, to just, and show us how you want us to do and what you want us to do. We pray, Lord, that you will take us from where we are now, no matter how much we've been praying up till this moment, you will take us into a greater realm than we've ever known before. In the name of Jesus, amen.